Well, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I am Adam Wright, and it is a joy to be with you, as long as I don't move my chair and hit that button again that mutes the microphone. What a wonderful day it is uh, on this Thursday morning, November 16th. We are one week out from Thanksgiving. There's a lot I'm grateful for, and that includes what we're going to talk about on today's show. So let's begin with prayer, and then let's dive right in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's Thursday. You know, we're going to talk with Father David Skillman today about the Redeemer of Man, and I, I've really enjoyed diving into this encyclical from St. John Paul II. It was his first one, um, and, and hearing just how he's starting his pontificate, it, it, it's wonderful, because I grew up in that JP2 generation. I mean, from the day I was born, he was the Pope. All the way up, you know, when he died, that was the first time in my lifetime I had ever experienced the church going through a conclave. And I just remember when he was here in 1999, I, I always tell people, I may not have understood then what John Paul was saying, you know, not the, not the depth of it, not the riches of it, but he was the energy. He brought the energy that kept me in the church when my family members, you know, my, my older brother left the church when we were in high school. Uh, my friends were saying, I don't believe that. I don't want to believe that. You know, he was among the voices, and, and in particular his visit to St. Louis in 1999 that kept me with the church. And then my, my youth minister, my peers, you know, in love with the Holy Father. Um, I, I, so now here we are 20-plus years later, and we're diving in. It's, it's fantastic for me. I'm loving it. Uh, also today we're going to continue hearing from Bishop Rivetuso about confirmation. I am enjoying this conversation. I hope you are too. You know, I'm, I'm loving it as well. Uh, hearing so much about the sacrament of confirmation, especially as we said when we began the week, as a family that's going through confirmation prep with our oldest right now, being able to hear what he has to say, fantastic. Uh, and then for our radio listeners, we're going to continue hearing about judgment. It's one of the four last things, and uh, we've been focusing on judgment this week, so we'll have more of that ahead. You know, it's absolutely gorgeous outside, a little brisk this morning. I like it that way. You know that. Let's find out what's in store for the rest of the day. We go now to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Margaret of Scotland. Born in Hungary in 1056, Margaret was the daughter of an exiled English prince. Because her father was a potential successor to the English throne, he was recalled to England when Margaret was still a child, but immediately died upon returning a death that was suspicious at best. Her brother Edgar was eventually proclaimed King of England, but was ousted by William the Conqueror, which once again forced Margaret and her family into exile. On their return to the continent, a storm pushed them towards Scotland, where the ship was shipwrecked. They were rescued and given protection by King Malcolm II. Malcolm fell in love with Margaret, and the two were married. They had six sons and two daughters, all of whom had great faith. Margaret personally supervised their religious instruction and other studies. She and Malcolm celebrated two Lents, one before Easter and the other before Advent. 
During these times, she always rose before midnight mass and on the way home would wash the feet of six poor persons and give them alms. She always surrounded herself with beggars in public and never refused them. It's recorded she never sat down to eat without feeding nine orphans and 24 adults. Margaret had a great love for the people of Scotland and came to be known as the Pearl of Scotland. But in 1093, King Rufus made a surprise attack on their castle. King Malcolm and his oldest son Edward were killed and Margaret, already on her deathbed, died four days later. St. Margaret of Scotland, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Prayer in a Time of Waiting All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. In these next few weeks here on Roadmap to Heaven on Thursday mornings, as we continue to journey through the encyclical Redemptori Solminis, the Redeemer of Man, with Father David Skillman, we are talking about the direction we're moving forward. And again, we, we kind of wrapped up two weeks ago, where have we been? Uh, St. John Paul II reflected a lot on that, but now he's setting the stage of where are we going now that we're in a new pontificate? It's a new time in the church. And we were talking about redemption as a mystery last week. Well, we're going to continue walking down the road of the re- the mystery of redemption, uh, but things are going to take a little bit of a new twist this week, uh, specifically that of the new creation. And here to tell us about it is Father David Skillman. Yes, good to be back. So we continue to journey through here, and this word creation comes in, a new creation. Uh, this is common in many different ways in John Paul II's pontificate. If you're familiar at all with the theology of the body, you know that this is very prominent there, this this kind of stepping back to look at the whole story of salvation history, beginning with creation, and then the fall, and then the redemption, which is a new creation because the first creation has been corrupted, tainted, twisted by sin. And so we need a new creation, and this is what our Lord does in, in the gift of, of redemption. In Jesus Christ, John Paul says, the visible world which God created for man, the world that when sin entered was subjected to futility, recovers again its original link with the divine source of wisdom and love. So that that word original is a charged word. It, it points back to the beginning, to Genesis. And, and our Lord is restoring um, what was lost through sin. And John Paul II, interestingly here, he, he, he notes the irony of, of the 20th century, uh, which was a century marked by immense human progress. I mean, you think of all the different inventions that came about in the 20th century, um, but also incredible destruction. You think of the world wars, uh, the most obvious examples. And he says this, the world of the new age, the world of space flights, the world of the previously unattained conquests of science and technology, is it not also the world groaning in travail that waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God? 
And I think what the Holy Father is doing here is he wants us to be able to feel our need for redemption. And so he points to the fact that this world in which we live has so many, you know, bright spots and, and good things, but there's also this just aching need for, for redemption. Um, and we've, it's been clear, right, in the, in the decades immediately preceding this um, with the, especially World War II, you know, just uh, at this point, what, 30 years prior to this. And so here he's focusing in, as we spoke about last time as well, on the person of Christ. And he says, basically, he's the one to whom we have to look in, as, we, as we wait with eager longing, as we groan and travail. He says, Christ, the Redeemer of the world, is the one who penetrated in a unique, unrepeatable way into the mystery of man and entered his heart. And he actually puts heart in quotation marks there, um, which I think is meant to highlight the word for us and to think about it's it's really out of the heart that this groan in travail is coming. And the way I would understand that word heart when John Paul uses it is I would think of it as the inward mystery of man. When you hear the word heart, think of just kind of that that deepest center of the human person. And it's here, it's to the heart that Christ appeals and he penetrates into the heart of man. And it's Christ in him that what was lost in the beginning is restored in the heart, right? This is our Lord's desire, not just to um, come and establish, you know, very clear um, ethical ways of living. He comes to purify and renew the heart, the, the, in, the interior of man. And here's where he quotes, as he so often does in, in so many of his writings, um, Gaudium et Spes of the Second Vatican Council, paragraph 22, which says Christ fully reveals man to himself and brings to light his most high calling. And he continues um, to quote actually at length here from Gaudium et Spes from that, that same part of the document, just these uh, amazingly beautiful words that I think we could all do well to, to meditate upon. He says of Jesus, he who is the image of the invisible God is himself the perfect man who has restored in the children of Adam that likeness to God which had been disfigured ever since the first sin, that new creation, right? Human nature, by the very fact that it was assumed, not absorbed, in him, in Christ, has been raised in us also to a dignity beyond compare. So there's something, this is what's new in the new creation. Uh, We're not just given back what was lost, but there's something new, there's a new dignity, And he explains this, for by his incarnation, he, the son of God, in a certain way, united himself with each man. He worked with human hands. He thought with a human mind. He acted with a human will and with a human heart he loved. Born of the Virgin Mary, he has truly been made one of us, like to us in all things except sin. And then John Paul adds his own words, he, the redeemer of man. So this this clear invitation to look to, especially to Christ's humanity. Right, and to find in the humanity of Christ um, that, that new man that we become by his grace um, when we receive his grace. That happens for us in baptism. Um, the, the fruits of, of the incarnation are applied to each one of us in, in that moment. And, and so um, each of us has been made this new creature, right? Who, when we're meant to, um, again, fix our minds, our hearts, our wills on the person of Christ, 
so as to learn from him how to live as the new man that we have become through our baptism. And then there's the devil who likes to say, well, no, you can't become anything new. I mean, just look at you. You're the same. Why do you even bother trying? I mean, have mm-hmm. you seen yourself? Have you seen where you fail? You might as well just give up hope now. There's there's no chance that you'd ever become anything new. And sadly, too many of us sometimes buy into that voice like, well, I could never be made a new creation. I mean, sure, God can do anything, but would he really, tur- he can't turn me into a new creation. And it's like, no, false. He can make you a new creation as well. Right. And the, the fact that, the, you know, the phrase he uses here about um, in the incarnation, humanity was assumed, not absorbed. This is a, a kind of an ancient theological principle about the incarnation, but it makes this very point that uh, humanity is not destroyed or like overwhelmed by the divinity of Jesus. It's taken up in all of its fullness into the person of the Son of God. And, and in that very way, we, we are assured that, in fact, we can be made new, yeah. right? That Because we see it in the person of Christ. We see it in his humanity, this perfect humanity. Which is a great hope for me, because every year at Lent, Father, we hear about the happy fault of Adam. And I'll never forget that one year. I've shared this with our listeners before, that one of the kids, Dad, what did you do? You know, <laughs> what is going on here? Why do we need a new Adam? Were you not good enough? I'm like, no, I, I was not good enough, but I can be made new. Father, as always, it's a joy learning all of these things from you. And I think the takeaway for all of us today is that lesson that uh, us at our worst is not necessarily the final word, that God has come to make us new as well. Right. All right. Absolutely. Until next time, this has been another journey through the Redeemer of Man with Father David Skillman here on Roadmap to Heaven. Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Oh, what consolation, what sweetness. What confidence, what emotion fill my soul when I pronounce thy sacred name or even only think of thee. I thank God for having given thee for my good, so sweet, so powerful, so lovely a name. But I will not be content with merely pronouncing thy name. Let my love for thee prompt me ever to hail thee, mother of perpetual help. That was People and Songs with What Mercy Did for Me. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network this morning. And next, we're going to continue playing for you the interview we taped last week with Bishop Mark Rivetuso about confirmation. And today, we're going to talk about the role of the sponsor. Speaking of not being alone in all of this, one of the other big decisions that candidates have to make is that of a sponsor, that they are required to have a sponsor when they come forward for confirmation. And I think back to baptism. Uh, that's a very natural thing uh, when you have the baptism of infants. I, I don't know any infants that when they say, uh, do you want to accept this? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. The infant spoke there. You know, so you have the sponsors that answer, do you believe? Yes. Do you yes. reject this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you believe this? Yes. Uh, what is the role of the sponsor at confirmation and what should the candidates be looking for in when, when they're determining, you know, who am I going to ask to be my sponsor? Because there's certainly no shortage of friends, family members, grandparents, sure. aunts, uncles, mm-hmm. et cetera, that they could ask. Right. In the letters I read from the candidates, they're very inspiring and in saying, I chose this sponsor because they're very devout in their faith or they live a goodness in their life or they, they do so much for others. They're always, uh, they have a heart of Jesus caring about all those uh, who are in need. 
the I, I always feel like they're giving a testimonial that that sponsor is someone they admire and someone they want to be kind of like in their life. They want to emulate that person by their goodness or their care or their kindness or their prayerfulness or their faithfulness to God. So I, I really believe that the, their choice of a sponsor is something very much connected with how they see what their life should look like. And they see in that sponsor good qualities that they want to live themselves. So it, it, to me, it, it's a little insightful on who their sponsors are and how they want to live their life more fully by living Jesus and those good qualities. I, I will say that uh, the sponsors, when I, I, every time I meet with them prior to the, uh, the ceremony, I commend them because these sponsors have been with these candidates, helping them in their preparation by their prayers, by sharing their own faith, by sharing how important the Holy Spirit is in their faith life, of helping them to know that the Holy Spirit is helping them and they're living out their vocation and reminding them that we're there for you as a sponsor, but not only us, but there's so many who are there for you in your journey of faith as you ready yourself for confirmation. So the the choice of a sponsor is very important, and it says a lot about the candidate, of how they see where their life should be leading and what they want to live in their life, these wonderful qualities, living Jesus. And these are things they want to do by the help of the Holy Spirit. If I could bring in a cultural reference, I think so often uh, in in the digital age, especially we're seeing it, this this video is sponsored by, or this, you know, this show is sponsored by, and it it becomes almost an endorsement of the message of the program or, or the event. You know, I think of so many of our great Catholic events and the philanthropists that are happy to say, I will sponsor this event. I believe in it. Is that somewhat similar too for our sponsors that as they come forward with their hand on the shoulder of the candidate, they're giving that, uh, that sign of, I believe this candidate is ready to be confirmed. I, that is so important. When the sponsor does that, I think they're, they're not only representing themselves, but they're representing all of us. They symbolize all of us there with our hand on their shoulder as a, as a means of support for them. And it's a, it's a uh, reaffirmation not only of their journey with that candidate, but they will continue to journey with that candidate beyond confirmation to be part of their life, to be a role model for that person's life, uh, to be a witness of the faith, and help them to be encouraged in those candidates living out their faith in the beauty of Jesus in their life. So they continue to have that role, and it doesn't stop with confirmation, but they're living it in a wonderful way to be an inspiration and an encouragement for the candidates to newly confirm, to continue to live what God is calling them to live out their confirmation by living the beauty of Jesus by the help of the Holy Spirit. Is there, I, I'm trying to remember back to the uh, the confirmation mass, is there a moment before the homily where the pastor or the catechist presents the candidates to you who will be doing the confirmation to testify to their worthiness? Yes, it is. Uh, it's right after the gospel, and then the pastor or the catechist will come up and uh, testify that this class is now ready for confirmation because they have taken seriously their faith journey by prayer, uh, by study, and works of goodness. And as I remind them before the Mass, that prayer, study, and works of goodness doesn't stop with confirmation. We continue once to emulate Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, by living his prayerfulness in our life and studying, being a disciple, as a student, a disciple of Jesus, 
and continuing the good works, remembering the model Christ who came to serve and not to be served. I ask that because I, I was having a conversation recently about ordination and mm-hmm. the, the call to the priesthood. And one of the comments that was made was that, you know, from that moment, uh, you know, it first off, in ordination, the bishop of the diocese, the, the, the ordinary, sends a letter calling the candidates mm-hmm. to be, come forward for ordination. And then they are presented as worthy, usually by the rector of the seminary. And that from that moment onward, the, can, the candidates mm-hmm. for ordination could never say that they were not called to the priesthood yes. because they have been called by the, the representative mm-hmm. of Christ in the diocese, the, the bishops. Yes. And uh, it, it's not a question of, well, I think I'm called. Is that a similar thing in, in the sacrament of confirmation that now it, it's not just that the candidates are saying, well, I want to be confirmed. Bishop Rivetuso, if, if you could fit it into your schedule. I know Adam Wright keeps adding all these things to your schedule in the radio interview. Uh, but, but I'd like to be confirmed. This is more about the yes. church now calling them forward. Yes. And the church saying, we want to confirm you. Right. You know, and I will say that comparison is very, very good because when those present themselves for ordination, the church confirms the call of God, but remember when we call them forth, they say present, and saying present means I am completely giving myself to this call to be lived by the help of the Holy Spirit, to be that ordained minister for the church. And the same thing here with our confirmation candidates, you know, the testimonial that is given, that is confirmed, not only that the church confirms uh, what God confirms through the sacrament, but these candidates in renewing their baptismal promises confirm for themselves, saying, I'm present, I'm all in on this, all my chips are in on this game, the game of life and, and the game of living out, being a disciple of Jesus, I'm all in with living the beauty of Jesus, and I know I need the help of the Holy Spirit. So that is a, another beautiful correlation of seeing how this confirmation of the call and the response of, of all in, of being completely present to live out that call is shown in that moment of the presentation and also in the renewal of baptismal promises. So after the candidates are presented, after they're, they receive that last bit of catechesis mm-hmm. from, from you or whoever is doing the confirmation, uh, wherever the case is, um, they come forward. And what exactly is said and done as they come forward to receive the sacrament? Yes. As they come forward, uh, their confirmation sponsor has their, their hand on their, their right shoulder, and then the bishop or the delegate would say, whatever their confirmation patron saint name is, uh, Cecilia, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit and anoint that person's forehead. You have your—I uh, I usually have my hand on top of the person's head for reminding them of laying on of hands, as well as— uh, the actual anointing with the sign of the cross of the sacred chrism, anointed to be sealed, to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, to live that beauty of Jesus in their life. But also, then I, after I do that, I say to them, peace be with you, and they respond, and with your spirit. And I shake their hand to remind them that we're one in living out that, that beauty of Christ's peace and being at peace and living out the fruits of our confirmation what a greater peace can we have every day than living out the beauty of Jesus in our lives? So we're all in this together. We're all supporting each other, praying for each other. We're living the beauty of Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit. And I imagine like uh, any of the sacraments, you know, 
we would need to be in a state of grace when we're called forward. Honestly, just in preparation for any big moment in my life, when I think back to our wedding, uh, the baptisms of our children, um, just looking at my role in all of these things, it it was a good opportunity to say, hey, you know, the weekend before, let's let's go to confession Mm -hmm. at the parish. Even if we're not in a state of mortal sin, let's just go and receive those graces. And that's really the thing. This isn't just a moment. We we don't have the glasses invented yet where you can now see grace in action. (laughs) Um, But but there is actually supernatural grace then that that is involved in all of this. These aren't just nice words Mm -hmm. and a ritual to say, welcome to the club. This is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, even though we can't see it with our eyes. Yes. And and I, I believe you're right. We want to be completely open and open to the Holy Spirit working in a wonderful way in our life. We, we, want to, we don't want to present any obstacles. We don't want to hold anything back. We want to be open to the Holy Spirit so that we can be fully giving our life over in love and have the outpouring of, God, of the Holy Spirit's love so we can live that love of Jesus. So it's so important. And I would say, too, as we mentioned about them coming forward to receive the sacrament of confirmation, you know, I, I want the candidates, and I remind all as we have that beautiful moment of, of, of the sacrament, please open yourself to the beauty of the outpouring of love. Experience that outpouring of love of the Holy Spirit, of God's love for you and all of us in our love for you as a wonderful means of support and lifting you up and helping you to live out uh, the beauty of the fruits of confirmation. And that's where we are going to stop today with this interview. We'll wrap the whole thing up tomorrow with Bishop Rivetuso. Now we're going to go to Phil Wickham and the song Your Love Awakens Me. When we come back, we'll have the weather for you and the daily dose of encouragement. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Prayer for God's blessing of one's daily work. O Lord, my God, creator and ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts. With St. Joseph as my example and guide, help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. This week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, Patty Schneier has been walking us through the glorious mysteries of the rosary, praying a pro-life rosary, and we have talked about hope, we have talked about victory, we have talked about being an advocate, and today on this Thursday, as we look at the Assumption of Mary, I, I can't wait to know what the theme of prayer will be. Well, we're going to focus on the Assumption, the fourth glorious mystery of the Rosary, and I'm sharing these pro-life meditations. Again, there are a million ways to pray the Rosary, but sometimes we just want to spend that whole time in prayer. Again, we need to be praying for the unborn, for the elderly, for all those who are on the margins of society. So here we have the Assumption, and here is the meditation. The Blessed Virgin Mary was taken 
body and soul into heaven because she is the mother of God. Mother and child are united. The assumption reminds us that they belong together. We pray that society will see that it cannot love women while killing their children and cannot save children without helping their mothers. We pray that people will be touched by the pro-life question, why can't we love them both? That phrase, why can't we love them both, pierces my heart. The phrase, mother and child are united, pierces my heart. Let's pray that that will become a reality in our society with this decade of our rosary. If we're going to work for the children, we have to work for the mothers. And if we're going to work for the mothers, we have to work for the children. Patty, this is a wonderful reflection for us as we reflect upon the Assumption of Mary on today's Daily Dose of Encouragement. An offering to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. My loving Jesus, out of the grateful love I bear thee, and to make reparation for my unfaithfulness to grace, I give thee my heart, and I consecrate myself wholly to thee, and with thy help I propose to sin no more. A couple things I want to let you know about. Uh, again, next week we have Thanksgiving. So uh, to everybody who's already started preparing food, uh, please know that you have a great opportunity to prayer with each need of the dough for the rolls or the bread or whatever it may be. Uh, all that time you spend in the kitchen, you can sanctify it in prayer and uh, listening to Covenant Network on the live stream or the app as you prepare or listen to one of our podcasts while you are preparing. We've got some great stuff out there. You can find out uh, more information about that by visiting ourcatholicradio.org, which is also where you can listen to the live stream. You can also, uh, as I said, listen to that live stream on the app. One of the things that I am really looking forward to sharing on the Roadmap to Heaven podcast, we've been doing these once a month long-form interviews exclusive to the podcast. We're calling it Deeper, and it's, it's because we're going deeper in these, deeper than we could go. It's longer than our morning show each episode. We've got one out there already on the Poetics of the Mass with Father Michael Rainier. We have one on screen addiction and why you can't put your phone down with Sister Marisha Weber. You can only find those on the Roadmap to Heaven podcast wherever you get your podcast. Could we ask you to like, subscribe, and share when you listen on the podcast? Perhaps you're listening on the podcast version of the radio show right now. Uh, it helps us out. It really helps us out. And for instance, if you've been enjoying this interview we've been bringing you all week with Bishop Rivetu, so you know someone who's being confirmed, well, why not send it their way? Send it to their parents. Send it to uh, their sponsor, whoever it may be. It's a wonderful opportunity for us all to grow in our faith. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Next week, we're going to be talking about Eucharistic revival, and I think a great way to get ready for that is tomorrow, Friday, uh, today, Thursday, over the weekend. Have some time. Go spend some time with our Lord in Eucharistic adoration in the next few days. You'll be glad you did. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed morning. Thanks for tuning in to Roadmap to Heaven, and don't forget to pray your rosary today.